Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Escape from San Francisco podcast. Today's guest, he's a good one. Um, he's a legend out there on the streets in the outreach community. He's out there hustling. He's getting it. He has Mill on One Wheels. He has Myriad Outreach Project, and he works with various other agencies and or well, various other organizations out in the Bay Area. He's constantly doing uh, many great things to help the people. He's always a person that, um, since I get to know him, is he's he's down for the cause and he knows his stuff and he's out there just to help people in general. And so, I have the pleasure of introducing Mike. How you doing? Hey, man, it's a pleasure. I truly appreciate you, man, sharing your platform. I'm just glad we get to put our feet on the ground. And I'm, I'm excited to have you on today. I've, I've been wanting to interview you for a while. And um, I got introduced to you by when I did an interview with Direct Action for Farm Workers. You're one of the individuals on there. And so uh, through our conversations there, I was like, I need to talk to this guy. I need to have him on more. And from that, I've been able to... You know, be around you more and actually do some of your outreaches or do one of your outreaches and just pick your brain and learn from you. And, and that's motivated me to go out there and, and try to help as best I can. Appreciate it, man. I feel the same way. You, you gave me the bug. I've always wanted to venture in podcasting or getting on video and uh, getting in front of the camera. I, I love uh, taking shots of you know, projects after the fact. But um, yeah, man, you sparked the interest. So I appreciate you. It was, it was really, a, really a fun time um, getting interviewed um, by you through Direct Action for Farm Workers. First time jumping in. Yeah. Now look, now look where we're at. We're out here, man. So it's beautiful. Yeah. And um, I, I'm glad to be able to share your story and be able to highlight what you've been doing in the community. Um, I know we have a future project together. We're trying to do something bi-weekly calling the Block Report. We're going to be out here, you know, just giving the news of the local Bay Area and just talking about our various topics that a lot of people don't address and or might be too scared to talk about. So that's what I'm excited for. Um, I'm a little nervous about that because I don't like to put myself out there at, as much. But it's good to have conversations that make you uncomfortable sometimes. And it's good to talk about uh, issues that a lot of people won't address um, because they don't want to just go there, frankly. And so um, I'm ready for that and, and what that has in store. Same. The time's now, bro. 2020 has been a, a super hectic year and it's been, it's been time to jump in the fire and just uh, start things. You know, there is no time to be ready. We just got to just do it. Fake it till we make it, and we out here, bro. So how you make it? You. You make it happen, right? And so, how did you get your start, Mike? How did you start working with the outreaches here in the Bay Area? And I would say it goes all the way back to just my parents, bro. Um, them modeling what community looks like, and just having heart and soul outside of this, you know, Skynet. I like to call it. Um, they've always been involved with community stuff from YMCA to like, uh, what's that called? Um, when in school PTA you know what I mean my pops has always coached me my mom's always coached and all my extracurriculars so I've always been exposed to what community is and what love is and I'd say that my my uh, representation of that was when I left uh, Antioch I went to San Francisco to uh, live with my grandmother went to City College and I got exposed to just new things man new people new communities new books uh, new cultures and really uh, found out who I was and I got to get glimpses of Power dynamics that I was completely oblivious to in the burbs, man. I was in a bubble. I had no idea what was going on. I went to San Francisco. It was the height of gentrification popping, um, you know, the, uh, the gang injunction. Um, just a lot of stuff going on, and I saw firsthand what reality was. and uh, I got to see what community was like in another form. And, man, that's just a lot. Like, one thing I want to ask you is, what does community mean to you? Man, community to me is... Everyone having, everyone having um, a say, everyone having their story written. Um, you know, everything's really like cookie cutter regurgitated and we're going along the lines, just you know, perpetuating and passing down stuff from the past. And I feel like community is constantly evolving and reemerging what that means and, and what, what, what guidelines and what we want to live by. So I'd say community is just like this ever growing project. That's, that's what I would say community is. That's, to me, community is being able to uplift and help each other and being able to go to a place where you feel comfortable and safe. And from, for that, a lot of time growing up, community was going to various events, whether it was in my hometown, Little League games or football games on Friday or going to the swap, swap meet on Sundays that we used to have in our little town. Those were 
you would see everyone from the community that always growing up in a small town, you get that feel like on Friday, mostly everyone in the community was at the games, right? So you knew everyone. Uh, when I was growing up, we didn't have the Walmart built yet. We only had McDonald's and we had a little bit of things. And so you pretty much knew everyone there. And so I miss that going to the big you know, cities, coming out to the Bay Area. I miss that sense of community. I didn't have that out here. And I still don't. I feel like I don't have that out here. I don't know people like regularly. Like I, I don't go to the store and just run into someone I know, whether it's a family member or a friend or someone we went to school with. When I go back home, I always do that. Now we have a big Walmart and we have all these other stuff and new development. We have a thousand more people population. But even when I go somewhere, put gas, no matter where it is, I always run into someone, you know, even people you don't want to see. You're like, oh, shit. But then, you, but then you're there and it's it feels good, you know, going back and just chopping up and then seeing how everyone's doing. And and uh, you make the most of that time. When I come out here, I hardly see people I know. And to me, I feel... Like I used to feel like that, but now uh, reaching out to the communities, interviewing people, starting a podcast, I'm starting to build and be around the type of community I want. I wanted to be around, you know, type type of community I wanted, and uh, going to events and seeing people I know, friendly faces, and just talking and chopping it up and, and seeing what everyone's up to, and that means a lot to me, and especially with. Um, going to places like outreach events and doing things like that, that like with the pandemic and everything, how everyone was pretty much locked down and not around and people, when we started coming out of that, I want to be able to try to do more and, and start making those connections. I'm the type of person that needs to be around people. I hate being by myself. It's either that's, that's both a good and a bad thing, but at the same time, I miss community. Yeah. We're humans, man. We, we thrive in a communal setting and, um, that resonated with me as well. When I first moved to San Francisco, I really didn't know anybody. I was trying to figure out, you know, what to do, where to go. Um, my first job was at Skechers on 22nd Street. And um, I met Alex. Shout out Alex. And everybody in the Lex, man, Raul, just everyone, man. And um, took me under their wing, and I, was, I built community. And I, these safe spaces you're talking about. And I was able to grow and learn. And um, I'm all for that, man. Community is where it's at. We need spaces where we can build and be safe and uh, continue this conversation. I'm all about community, too. Safe spaces that we can all pull up, no matter what your access or positionality, that we can grow and build alongside each other. So whether that's garbage pickups or doing, you know, uh, fundraisers or doing parades or doing marches, or it's just all about community, bringing people together in the, in the real world, outside of this, like, capitalist corpus agenda that we're in. Like, there has to be, we have to get paid by something, or we have to accomplish this goal, but, like, no, let's just be vulnerable together and grow together. So I'm, I'm with you, man. It's all about community spaces building that community one of the first and only event i've done with you so far is we did on march 27th which is outreach and we gave out a, over 100 or about 150 meals uh, to individuals in the tenderloin uh, district and doing that it just it felt so like it was like powerful like just going out there and trying to do that it was kind of like you feel good afterwards but also you see the need of individuals and you're like and it's, it, it hits you, it sets in, it's like, this is barely anything. You know, there's so much help that needs to be done. But that was done with your organization called Myriad um, Outreach Project. How did that get started for you? Yeah, Myriad Outreach Project is just this, this it's in itself a project, right? It's ever-growing, it's organic. Um, it started out as San Francisco Homeless Outreach Project, so SF Hop. Um, when I first moved to San Francisco, the, um, again, I was talking about Ed Lee and about Super Bowl City and about hypergentrification going on. I was working Graveyard. Um, I'd see people two, three in the morning on my way to work and all their possessions thrown in the trash, uh, hose down, um, SFPD ticketing everybody and just really going extra hard and um, not sharing humility with our unhoused neighbors. And Ed Lee was just doing everything and anything to clear out everybody from the downtown area. They wanted Super Bowl City to look official. So I was like, you know what, we, I got to give back somehow. Um, made a GoFundMe on the fly, just saying, um, I want to feed 100 people peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and water just to start with what I could, right? Um, not knowing where to start or who to tap into. And um, luckily within an hour, GoFundMe, was, I was able to reach that goal. And so what we started doing in just about outreaches in the mission, started um, transferring to different districts. And then now we are myriad outreach projects. So I don't live in San Francisco, I'm in Oakland now. So um, now we've serviced Oakland, Antioch, Pacifica, Daly City, San Francisco. We've been to a lot of different cities. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a project that started with just scarcity mindset of just what could I do now, kind of like a charity thing, thinking I knew best, 
but now really taking back and trying to see how I can evolve this thing to seeing, let's ask the people out there what they need and not assume that I know. So it's just this, it's a project. It's constantly evolving. It's constantly a redeveloping. Um, just a funny story, even recently, um, I'd say maybe like within last year, we've been rocking for like five years now, but I'd say maybe like a year and a half ago, somebody came up to me and they're like, oh, what are you doing specifically for women? And I was like, oh, we're feeding them too. Now they're like, what do you, feminine hygiene products have that and I was like what like I was completely oblivious so it's like this project that everyone and anyone is helping to create and um and to try to get more and more things and as of today um we're hooking people up with beanies socks um gloves um, hygiene products um, COVID masks water fruits vegetables and um shout out Alpastor Poppy as Darren just said donated 150 burritos to our unhoused neighbors so we're building uh partnerships with local businesses and um what I'd love to do is double and triple dip is bring everybody in the fold. There's so many people doing dope work that uh, we should all be working together and being more powerful as one. Instead of going a thousand different directions, let's unify and get the get an avalanche popping. So um, now Mirrored Outreach Project, we're feeding people. Uh, we're hooking people up with um, supplies during COVID. Um, we're doing garbage pickups. We're doing banner drops. We're doing community marches. Uh, it just it's, it's ever-growing, and everything is free. It's all donated through our online community. Everything is through community economics. So all of our funds, all of our equipment, everything is accumulated through our online volunteers. And then people show up day of, and they're in no way financially compensated. And we go ahead and, and uh, execute a project just through love. No political affiliations, no money being spent for volunteers. It's just acts of love funded by people online who share the same vision. Some people got time and money. Some people have no time, no money. Some people have time and a lot of different spectrums. So this is a way for everyone to help out and pitch in as they see fit, right? There's no wrong or right answers. Not everything has to be doing direct action in the streets, right? It's about liking something, sharing something, having a conversation, having that tough conversation with coworkers or family members, right? It's a, everyone plays their part. So a myriad means one of many. So it's a one of many trying to tackle community projects. I remember when we had a conversation as well that it also started in your grandma's backyard. You talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, man. Um, it started in my grandmother's backyard in the basement. Um, and it was just a beautiful thing that that was the space that I had at the time. Um, and we would meet and it would just be this beautiful thing. We didn't have a bathroom. We didn't have a thing. You'd have to go into this real sketchy basement. But it was just beautiful, humbling beginnings. And that's where we started, man. And uh, and we just tackled our immediate neighborhood. And that was currently at the time when I was on Presida in the mission, uh, we were doing a Cesar Chavez primarily. So industrial Cesar Chavez underneath the freeway has been completely gated off and everybody's been taken out but yeah that's where it started man mission is where this whole gem started and the tradition is kept alive because my grandma knew everybody and fed everyone on the block so um even in her passing um instead of flowers and donations and all that we had we set up a gofundme and my grandma fed a thousand people so for her funeral we requested people to donate to the outreach and we we went hard and we, we just tons of people got hooked up with resources for my grandma what was her name Gloria. Gloria? Gloria, man. So their, their legacy stays on forever, man. She had the, the heart of gold and, and that community and that love is, is within me and I'm just carrying on the torch. So. There's nothing like grandma. I, lo I love my grandma. She's, she's a fighter. Uh, she's someone that, she's a small woman, but she's one, she's one person that she doesn't take no for an answer. She goes out and she always makes it happen. And it's, it's people like that, that um, our grandma lived during a time where schools are so segregated here in California when she went and she was white passing, you know, Latina. So she was able to get by while some of her siblings were, were darker and they, they had a more of a tough time um, than she did growing up. And so um, she remembers all that. And she talks about like how she wasn't able to get a certain type of education because her family followed, uh, you know, where the work was at. They were farmers. So they lived in that lifestyle where they're going from camp to camp to camp Capesinos, you know, just going out, doing that type of work. Never been able to settle in one place. And my grandma wanted to finish high school and she wanted to go to college. She wanted to do all that. But her parents told her since she was one of the oldest, or one of, one of the oldest, yeah, that she had to work. She had to support the family, that she couldn't afford to go to school, that she couldn't afford to finish. And so my grandma had to make that difficult ch um, choice, or a choice she didn't have, actually, to go and work and to provide for her family. And then eventually she started her own family and then started that cycle. And so I respect that so much of your, your grandma Gloria that's going out there and giving back to the community. We need more of those people. And I feel like 
every day that type of people in San Francisco, I don't see it, especially where I live. Like, I don't know my neighbors. I don't know their names. I don't know people across live right directly from me. I don't know their names. I don't, I know their faces, but I don't know them. I never even talk to them. I never even say hi. Like, I don't see them. And so that disconnect is, it was kind of hard for me, especially coming from an area where you, you know every neighbor, you know most of the people around your area, you know, everyone's lived there forever. So you can't, when I was little, I couldn't do anything because I always got back to my grandparents. You know, I was, I was in trouble by the time I got home, every time I did something. But out here, it's like, there's not that connection and that type of community does mean something. Um, maybe I'm not by it and I know there's, there is that community still, but I'm not a part of it because of not growing up here maybe and not being heavily involved, but doing these outreaches and being connected with the other organizations, I'm starting to get that sense of community again. I'm starting to get that sense of, of being able to help other people and actually feeling that I'm doing something and making a difference in every little way that I can. Not to say that I make a huge difference, but I make enough difference where I'm able to be okay with that and, and keep pushing forward and learning how to make a bigger, bigger change or a bigger difference in someone's life. You know, being that that person that can, that can help and and hopefully uh, on a more impactful level than I ever imagined I could. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, man, we're all playing a part, and that that need for community is what's needed more than ever. And that's why I jumped in on this, and I think this is where we're going to shed light and write our own story because everybody loves writing it for us. And there is so much dope community building and dope stuff happening. So it's just an honor to build alongside you and you jumping in the fire. And uh, I appreciate your help on the outreach, too. That was so lit to have you a part of it. You came to the fundraiser. You got shirts made. You got whack donuts. You got coffee. You just jumped right in, man. So you you got it in you. We know what we're doing. You know what I mean? So it's just about finding like-minded people. And this thing is contagious. It's love. It's direct action. And there's tons of stuff popping everywhere. So it's imperative that we shed our platform on these beautiful things that are happening. That's why I was enough. Like, I'm tired of receiving. It's time to transmit and to share this platform with all the great work that is going on, with all these dope people that we're around. The time is now needed more than ever. They're trying to double down on this divisive division thing. We need to unify. And that's what this is, is when we realize that's all it's about is community. You know what I mean? We're all in fight or flight, survival mode, but it's just about community, building, and love. And that's what's going to get us through this, man. And uh, honestly, this is just a really dope experience. Yeah, it's it's this is what I hope we're able to get out of this is is, is to make community more pro, like more of a necessity for people uh, to have more of a safe place to live and to thrive and to to support local businesses, small businesses, support uh, community events and engagements and and everything all in all in between nonprofits such as Myriad and and all the other ones that are doing great work. And those that are non that are not nonprofits, you know, those people that are actually in the community doing the good work, they need to be recognized as well, and they need to be uplifted to the forefront because we need as many as we can in order to actually help the most vulnerable in a time of crisis like we have now. Before the pandemic hit, we we still had a crisis, and after the pandemic's over, we're still going to have a crisis. That's the reality of it. We have a really situation right now where we have an unhoused population. That it's not getting addressed in the Bay Area. We got a, a situation where the addiction, people addicted to mental health, it was bad before the pandemic and it's going to be bad after the pandemic. And so what do we do to address those people's needs, those individuals' needs? And it's hard to ask a group of people, like a, a small group of people that have an organization to f meet all their needs. But I know people like you and and meeting all the other people that are in the organizations, they're trying to do what they can. It might not be enough, and it might not ever be enough, but to pull in, learning how to pull in resources from all over the place and making it happen, I've been seeing that firsthand. I'm just like, I don't know how you guys do it. I don't know. Community economics, bro. We all play a part, everybody. I'm telling you, and, um, and I'm with you, bro. It's, um, yeah, it's just about that call to action and realizing that we are all normal people. I don't get paid for any of this. Right? There's no political gain. It's about just trying to help people with what we can, with what we have right now. But now I'm on year five. We just moved into the nonprofit sector, right? And I've always been really, not really down with like government structures and institutional level. I've always been around direct action outside of the institutional level. But now I want two eggs and two baskets. I have my foot in the streets and I have my foot in the institutions. 
Um, I'm learning as we go, but um, now it's about not just providing a service because at the end of the day, like, is that sustainable? Like me, you know, just doing this over and over again. No, I need a team. I need to get back from being a gatekeeper, right? I need to get a team on board. And I think that's what I've been found with Wheels on One Wheels. It's, it's really dope is to find we're hitting now not just our city, but cities all around the Bay Area, all over California. We just had talks with people in the UK and Canada. And it's people that feel and, and share our same vision. So now I'm trying to work on how to enter more people in and how to get more people energized and involved. And I know that this is part of it, is sharing the story of showing how easy it is to showing how hard it is, easy and hard, if just the flow of trying to get stuff to happen. So I want to double down now on, on education, on how could we affect systemic change? How are we going to be transformative in the long run, right? Because I can, you know, feed people and hook, hook up 150 people, but in, in reality, we need 3,000 meals in a day in San Francisco, right? Like, we're just, we're starting real small, but it's about connecting and getting our feelers out and, and ca the call to action and just saying, hey, we need help that you can be a part of this? Do you believe in this? Because now it's now, yeah, the outreach is a portion, but now education needs to be one and about intake and how to build more people to be along for the ride. So now I'm trying to like evolve a little bit more than from charity of like, hey, I'll get some stuff that I think people need and I'll distribute it to now like, let's get more people on deck. Let's get social workers. Let's get videographers. Let's get photographers. Let's get uh, mental health professionals. Let's get the full breadth of people fighting the same battle together. We're all going individual, and is, is that sustainable? But if we joined, just think of the impact of that. So it's a lot of growth. Yeah. It's a lot of unlearning. It's a lot of learning. And um, I in no way have the answers, but I am trying to do what I can with what we have. And the more people we get on board through this call of action, the more we uh, transmit, like through this, the more we can uh, shed light to what's needed. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly what needs to happen. It. it you need to bring everyone in the fold. I don't know if you ever heard of whole person care. Whole person care is a system where um, you're able to work with the individual that is chronically homeless or someone that needs uh, attention, whether it's medically or someone that needs attention that needs housing, which is primary uh, primary out here for the unhoused population is is vast. So you, their primary need is housing. What I do for work is I work part of the whole person care system in Marin, and so. Um, what we do there is try to house and 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 set different type of medical or case managers. So what I do is medical case management, and then they have a housing case manager, and then maybe they have a social worker, maybe they have a mental health professional, and we're all together and we're all working and we use like a same system and or we have a setup where we have a release of information. We're able to easily send information to each other because before it was really hard. You can't talk about someone without having a release information on file, right? If I want to talk to someone's social worker or if I want to talk to someone's, uh, you know, psychiatrist or whatever it might be, I have to make sure there's a release on file, release information on file for me to even talk about them. And so there is a big dis disconnect because those people don't have the time, right? They don't have a week or four or five days. When something needs to be done, it needs to be done now and it should be done within a timely manner. And so whole person care system is where we're able to track the individual um, for a while and, and see if we're able to help them fit all their needs. And that's something that's beautiful, an idea. And it's really difficult, even with all those structures, it's hard because you have everyone that works at different, are at different capacities. And so we're not always able to work as effectively or as seamless as you would think, but that's a step in the right direction. I feel that needs to be more of a consensus for everyone is that for the people that need the help, there should be a whole person care system play in place where we're all able to help. And like you're saying, it's basically that kind of same concept. And I, I think it's beautiful and I really like it, but there needs to be more of it. And it's only sustainable by federal grants and all this other stuff because people got to get paid. You know, it's a job. People got to get paid and all that stuff. And I understand that. But how do we make it sustainable over a long run? How do we make this something where everyone gets that same type of care or a high level of care so we could get them medical needs assessed or medical needs met. We could get their housing needs met. We could get their mental health needs met, everything all above and, and do it in a, a timely uh, fashion where these people get the help they need. That being said, what you're doing, are you trying to change public policy by your action or is that just, or that's not even a, a, a thought of, 
that's something that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get into now. Um, I wasn't even thinking about, I didn't even think this would last five years. I didn't think I would be able to still be rocking. I didn't, and now it's to the point of that we have a team to do that mutual aid part. I mean, to do the distribution part of resources, but the next part is the education and is the policy change and is the government structure that I was never a part of. This whole thing was organized outside of the institutional level because I had no faith in it. And I still have a hard time believing in it. But, but now I need, I'm getting well-versed. Um, I'm you know, doing my research about nonprofits. We're getting connected people around the, uh, that have the same vision so we can try to tackle those things. But me, to keep it 100, I have no idea about what government and policy change and what that would institute. I just know what direct action is. And that's the culmination of resources and community members like of my history of just getting radicalized at City College, of getting radicalized in my community and seeing power and things happen and change from Greg Sir getting fired, from you know police brutality stuff going on to you know um, just more amenities going on, more bathrooms in the Tenderloin now versus there that they used to be, right? So little small things. I don't know um, if I was, I was just trying to do with what I can, but the next step is what you're saying is, is to now go into that world as well. So I think that's something I'm interested in as well, just something new to me. I'd have to align with people that share a vision because I'm not sure. Uh, you know what I mean? I would love to influence that. But uh, that's just like new um, uncharted territory that I'm excited to get in, but I'm um, not that well-versed in. You talked about your time at City College, and I remember we talked about this off-air um, in a separate conversation, is that the events that took place at your time going to City College just helped shape and change you. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, man. Shout out. Rams, City College of San Francisco, man. Free college now, uh, radicalized the shit out of me. Um, I was just taking classes. I was not in school, was not working. I, I lived a whole different life back in the day. Uh, my mom built a preschool, and um, she's directing it now. And um, I was taking classes at the time to take over that one day. Let's case like the, the family business went under. Like, how would I have to, to, take, to take over that? So I started taking classes of child development and just started taking classes to be a director of a preschool I'm on the preschool about what that would entail, and my mind exploded. I realized, wow, about just development of how we learn and, and how it should be modeled and our experiences and our exercises, and then I realized why I hated school so much, because I never seen myself in any of it. My, this epistemology, people that look like me weren't in the, in the text. Everyone around the room were presidents. They didn't look like me. And um, going into City College, I um I just was taking classes. It got and just realized that the the ramifications of the way that we were raising children and, and how we were guiding them. And at during that specific time, they were going through an accreditation type of um thing, and then they were going to shut down City College. So this is when I was going in. I was getting real happy. I was I was currently working as an intern in one of the preschools. Um, it was available for the students, so we would do childcare. Uh, I was a pre-K teacher, so we would watch your children in a at a school site while the parents were taking classes and it was all free. So I got to see the dynamics of all these different things and they started cutting funding. So they started cutting to our program. They started cutting funding to the black studies, to Asian studies, to queer studies. And they started hacking into us one at a time. And then um, I merged and I was seeing like, yo, what's going on? And, and there was this, uh, the privatization was from Guy Lease, right? They had this guy called the, uh, the special trustee with extraordinary powers that was this force from Texas with his team that came here to look at the accreditation thing to see how stuff was being spent. They were going to take our accreditation away. And then they were taking funding one at a time for different stuff, and I felt powerless. And then I saw the only people on school at that time was Mecha. And this is like um, this is a Mexican uh, independence Azatlan uh, organization, and my friends were in it, and they were shutting meetings down. And they were putting banner drops that say, save CCSF. And they were saying, stop the, the tax funding stuff cuts to all the groups and then um at the time those are the only people that were doing stuff so i jumped in um i'm puerto rican cuban from nicaragua and salvador but that i didn't have, they were open for everybody right so we, we hopped in there and we started organizing we started looking at public calendars we started seeing when people were having meetings and then we'd, we'd go in there and we'd have the community behind our backs and what they did was they they had all the student groups against each other and then they would have the faculty against the students administration was just sitting here laughing at the whole thing while they were raising the parking fees on the students and then the teachers and it was going one-on-one -on -one. and then we said you know what let's merge so we we, we talked we 
talked with the queer studies, Latin studies, Asian studies, black studies, women's studies. We talked with the faculty and we had a meeting and we created the diversity collaborative, right? And it's, this is, we all are going, we're all fighting. We all have the same fight. We're fighting this privatization from an outside force that's coming into our community and trying to shut down our school that we as a community want. So we, we said, nah, bro, like that's not gonna happen. We merged together and created this beautiful coalition, fought these out of town people so I got to see community ignited. I got to see radicalization. I got to see how people merging together for a similar cause can actually accomplish something. And in my head, in the back of the day, it was like, oh, it's politics was completely out of my mind. And it doesn't affect me. But when it affects you, when your house gets foreclosed, when somebody dies of COVID, when somebody dies in a, in a war, when somebody dies from a preventable related illness, from all these things, then we, it affects us. So I was firsthand getting radicalized and seeing my, this education, this community hurting and, and jeopardized, getting jeopardized, fought it, collaborated, and won. So that's what radicalized me, man. I, I was direct action. That was something that was kept going over and over again is we are going to do something. We don't have the answers. We don't know what we're going to do, but we're going we're gonna to assemble and we're going to tackle it right now with direct action. So that's my motto in everything I do, right? It's about doing with what you have right this second. And that's what radicalized me. So I've been on a high from the people ever since. Whether it's a close the camps march, whether it's Occupy. When I was in San Francisco, we were holding down Occupy in front of the Federal Reserve Building or here in Oakland, right? Community has always been there and community is always here. No matter what, you know, mainstream media or the politics tries to say and divide us, the struggle continues and it's been here forever. So um, that's what radicalized me, man, is winning, is, uh, is being around all these beautiful people and all of us, now have just flourished. Everybody's just went all different directions. Everybody's doing so much beautiful things, but it all started from just a bunch of students making this little group and then getting beautiful mentors that were faculty at the time to believe in us and to not look at us as students, but as co-conspirators, right? Because more than just an ally, like, yeah, I stand with you, but like, no, we're going to actually plan this out and we're going to battle this monster, which is privatization. And in reality, City College and Guy Lease is the government, right? We have, this, we have a government structure dividing the people, right? And, and using these class systems to have us fighting one another while nothing changes up top. But Guy Lease is the government and we are building community to fight this because at the end of the day, what's happening in the last 2020, these mutual aid groups is what the government should be doing. Like I shouldn't be... You know what I mean? Feeding. I mean, I'm going to do what I have to do, but like, where are the resources on the government level? They gave up on us, right? So it's imperative for us to make these systems outside and then sustain them. So me, I'm, this is new territory, right? I'm, like I said, we're doing a nonprofit, but for five years, I've been in these streets. And um, so now I want to do both. I want to do controlled opposition like they do to us, Republicans and Democrats. I want two eggs in two baskets, right? So we can't, we, I can't just say F the institution and not be a part of it. And I can't say F the streets because I'm a part of it. I'm a part of both. So I have to see both through. So that's, um, that's my thing, man. It's just um, it's creating and constantly evolving and being on the front line of what's going on. And uh, yeah. Well, I'm inspired right now. Like, <laughs> and I appreciate your was, patience. This is my good. first time podcasting. No, like I, I'm rambling. We're out no, here. I'm I, like, I, I should have wrote stuff down. But we're out here, bro. We're out here. It's through love. And we're learning as we go. I'm just glad we finally we're doing it. Here, you I'm know, a I'm spectator. Saying? I'm listening. I'm in. I'm in there. I'm like, so we're going right now. We're we gonna go march. Like, let's go do this. Huh? Like, let's fuck, go, let's bro. Go to the bridge. Like, fuck it. <laughs> and that's what it takes, man. Build it, and they will come. Um, I'm. I, it's contagious, bro. Um, a, a, a thing that it, a lot of my studies is being transformed in the service of the work. Right. The it, it's one thing about giving people something. You know, okay, you give them, they eat it immediately. They put on the beanie, the gloves, but the bags. We write affirmations. I love you. You know what I'm saying? Hey, man, I love you too. And then it's really for, I love doing this, but to bring people on now, right? You came, you got to see firsthand. What did I say the first day? Let's jump in the fire. You know what I'm saying? That's what we did. And it's, um, it's just a beautiful experience because the out of sight, out of mind realities, this is tale of two cities, man. I'm extremely privileged, right? I want to break that middle ground. My, I, right next door, we're in West Oakland, California. I got six people living under a hangar garage next door to me. And I, I just gave them... Six pieces of banana bread my mama just baked, right? So it's about, it's about who are, what's community? 
And it's more than just our work people and our education people and our friends. It's about our neighbors. We're all fighting the same fight. We all need restrooms, water, food, and shelter, and energy. The basic that's the needs, bottom right? basic needs, and that's what I rock with, man. This is a class-based analysis through love. And all of these things can be provided through love, funded through love, and sustained through love. We just need to show people that there is a vehicle, right? And I think that's what we're trying to do now and is um, all these beautiful mutual aid groups and direct action groups is lit, right? But we need to connect. And how are we going to build political power by connecting? Because if we're all doing our certain individual things here, it's dope. That's what I've been doing, but it's not sustainable. I'm burnt out. I need help. And I get rejuvenized when I go help somebody else on their action, when I'm helping somebody else plan something out. And I'm realizing that we all have the same goals, right? It's just we need to shake that out, make a big Venn diagram, get some demands popping for the summer because um, I'm tired of doing the same shit. We have to adapt. We have to innovate. We can't be doing the same stuff. So um, like I said, it's, it's one thing to give a service, help people out, extract resources and help them out. What's the political and education side? How are we getting more people in? How are we getting more people hooked in? Right? Because I don't want to be a gatekeeper and say, hey, I have all the equipment. I have all the stuff. Come here and help Mike. Nah. I want more leaders, not more followers. And I think that's what we're trying to get at right now. That's it. More leaders. So we need to get more people in, involved and out there and take charge and make, make stuff happen, you know, for the betterment of the people and to show that we're able to come together and pull from resources that we, there are resources there. We just, they're just hard to pull from because people don't know about them. You have to go through so many hoops and bounds just to get a grant or just to get anything to help uh, people, the most vulnerable people in need. It's like, it shouldn't always be like that, but it is. You know, you have to scrape at the bottom of the barrel just to get an, just to get a little bit of help, so you can feed, you know, 150 people. And it's hard when we rely so much on, on the goodwill of people to try to do the best thing. And it shouldn't be like that, but reality, life is chaotic, and life is what it is. And so we have to be able to learn how to be able to uh, efficiently come together and and put you know our issues our our ideologies and and our our ego aside and do what's best to help other people especially if we come from a place of privilege yeah. you know we we have we might not have the best thing might not have the best car best house best clothes whatever it might be but we have roof over our head we have clean water right you could wash your dishes in it you could take a shower in it you could brush your teeth you could cook food we we have a warm bed we have clothes, you know, we have all that stuff and we take it for granted because there's a lot of individuals that don't have any of that, right? And it's not to say you can't live your life. No, live your life. Live a happy, full life and do whatever makes you happy. Have as many activities, you know, buy whatever you want to buy. I'm not saying you have to live a minimalist life and not buy anything and, and live cheaply and stuff. If you want to do that, that's fine. If you want to go out there and buy the luxury designer brands, Go do that too. Whatever makes you happy. But at the end of the day, learn how to give back as well, right? Whether it's your time, whether it's your money, whether it's your 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 help and comfort, whatever it might be, just learn how to give back in the way you can. Whatever way that is, do it. It doesn't have to, you don't have to be Mike, right? And be out there in every organization out there hustling and, and going through the fire. That'd be great if there was many more mics, yes. The world would be a better place. But they don't have to be like that. They could be themselves. And, and I think a lot of people don't realize that that there's little things you could do to help, whether it's it's helping through social media, whether it's helping by donating through Venmo, you know, seeing an outreach, someone like you putting out an outreach, hey, we have a flyer, we need to get this done. Can you Venmo to help us reach our goal? Boom, $10, you have it. $20 if you have it. Make it happen because there's people willing to do the work. And it's, 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 imperative for people to find individuals like yourself like direct action for farm workers like like ehas.compo like Galma, like uh, dreamers fund like apostor papi you know all those people that are actually out there making um, direct action happen how do you find these people other than social media right that's the hard part so i think that's what we're trying key. to build right is like that's what we're trying to get is to catalog this right even in our studies recently of what mutual aid and collective action is there is no organized structure of mutual aid groups, right? And it's that's what we're trying to create is this framework is how to humanize what it's like to 
be a concerned human. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't know where to go. I get the same question. Hey, man, how do I, I want to start. How do I do it? And it's literally just having these conversations and sharing stories. And literally from a cell phone. For the last five years of Mirrored Irish Project, I've used a cell phone, GoFundMe, and social media to redistribute thousands of dollars and feed over 6,000 people off a cell phone. So everybody can do it. We all are empowerment centers, and we all have the ability. It's just to tap in and check in. And, and that's what I'm trying to create now is avenues that we can build and create community and have these conversations because it's not sustainable to have these different individual groups, right? We need to unify, and we need to have it easily accessible so more people can take on these roles. And that's me, right? Because I always do everything on my own. I'm a hustler. I just I want to make sure it gets it done, and I'm learning this year to ask for help. It's been such a privilege to meet you, man. Come through. Oh, I got shirts on deck. I got masks. I got, I got, we could do this podcast, right? I've always dreamed of doing this. And now this is the first time ever we're jumping in, right? I'm, practice makes perfect. We're doing it. So it's about the call to action and, and, and calling it and, and telling people to come in and unify under this message. And that's, what, that's how we connected. And that's what we're here. Just foot on the gas, content, 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 humanizing the reality of a fucking concerned citizen. I've always wanted to do a podcast for many years and I just never did it. You know, I didn't think I thought I didn't have the equipment. I, I just, you know, always made excuse after excuse after excuse. And I never did research on how to do it. And honestly, all you needed was a phone and some internet connection and you could have made it happen. That's how I started the first podcast. I just recorded it on my phone with one of my buddies, one of my best friends from back home. And then from there, I just got that bug or that podcast bug. And I'm like, all right, I'm going for it. Then I started to upgrade my system a little bit. You know, I started doing, I started investing in, in mics and and um, some computer equipment. And then when you suggested, like, hey, let's let's start a you know our own little thing. Like, I have uh, ideas and and started to see your work and stuff. And I'm like, I'm doing it. And so I invested in a lot of equipment, mics, uh, a mixer, you know, a lot of stuff that I probably would have never have done in the past. But all I did was just take action, right? It was to start that first podcast, how crappy the audio might have been, how many times like we're talking over each other or whatever it might have been. That started a, a, a way for me to get the ball running, right? That mo momentum, that was that push I needed to, to actually go down the slide. I needed that, that little nudge and I was so scared to, to do it because I was scared what people would say, think, or, or feel. And I was more worried about that than actually trying to do something I really wanted to do. That's so big, man. Fear and ego is true. And again, 2020, I've never created, a, I've never helped co-create a march. I've never facilitated an event. I've never been MC. I've never, I've never done any of this shit. And, and, and we have to start somewhere. We have to just jump in. So I appreciate you just being vulnerable. And um, it's, that's a battle I still do about ego and fear about, oh, you know, is it going to be done right? But it has to be done. It's already too late. We got to start with what we have. And once we realize that we can get over this socialization and this, you know, funk that we're not good enough and this imposter syndrome, at the end of the day, we're just doing what we can and we're sending that beacon and people are going to vibe with it or they're not. And that's just what it is. And that's what's beautiful. And um, I'm super excited, man. Um, I've never, I try to look for the, what I, what we're going to create. I'm on the front lines of these actions. I'll be out here and the craziest situations, and I don't see no representation or no like documentation of what this is. You know what I mean of of our story, and that's why um hopefully what Block Report could be, man, is to shed light and share our platform with all these beautiful people doing dope work and have a dedicated media source that's given us real truth and love. That's that's what I want. I want to create a media, you know, venture that's able to um, capture our thoughts. You know. People, real people on the ground, what they're going through, not some of these like big corporations where it's all, you know, controlled and scripted and this and that, you know, some things would need to be unscripted. You need to go out there and give real voices and, you know, you need to hear what's actually happening instead of trying to write a story and let other people write it for you, you know, and do it in a way where you're uplifting and helping people, but also shining a light on, on things people don't want to talk about. You know, try to light on things that people do not want to address because it might not, there's no money in it or it's a really touchy subject so they don't want to talk about it or very controversial. And that's where I want to like go there. I want to go in and be able to tap into those things and actually have 
and a conversation like we're having now without leaving you know leave emotions out of it leaving ideologies politics whatever it might be and actually have a real conversation and this type of medium where people could be the judge of it they could say hey you know what you guys were talking about we don't want to we don't want to hear that or that's not good or this is that no critique us no i want people to critique us i want people to tell us how they really feel about things and and, and actually let us know what they want to hear and what they want to talk about as well yeah. i, I want to take suggestions I want to be able to learn and grow and, and get educated myself because I'm very uneducated on certain things. I might have a bachelor's degree, but I feel very much uneducated when I went started getting into these organizations and these outreaches and stuff. And I realized I didn't re- I didn't know. I thought I knew a lot, but I realized I don't know nothing. And you got to learn how to be humble from that. And so that's what I'm trying to learn is humility and learning that I don't know everything and being okay with that. Not knowing everything. That's the okay. first step, man. If you think you know everything, you lost, bro. That's you it. know what I mean? It's a constant. We are um, lifelong learners, and that's exactly what it is. It's about constant evolution, and um, I'm all for having these conversations. I'm all for rocking the boat. They want outside of this corporate world because my main three things I want to talk about and really get into is mental health, sexuality, and substance abuse. Because these are the three things that I know in my community that, hey, Robo Wevo and do Olympia. Like, what? We need to talk about these things further than, you know what I mean? And really break it open. Like, what? how are these things affecting us? What are we perpetuating in the future? And um, I'm all for it. I think this talk, these talks are what's paramount. And outside of this Western Eurocentric model of debate skills where I'm on the internet or I'm in person and I'm trying to one-up you, I'm not even listening to you when we're in these debate things, right? And, and um, when we share stories like we're doing now, we're operating on a whole different literal side of our brain that we're able to receive more and understand more and we're not trying to one up and trying to get over and trying to to you know get in this debate type of thing so that's why i think these uh sharing stories writing stories and honoring stories is the most radical and revolutionary thing we can do and that's why this is a why we're doing it and we're going to shed light and be out there writing our story and i appreciate you everything you got to say and coming on the podcast today um i can't wait so we can get our show going before we end it, I would like to talk about Mill on One Wheels, and that's another thing that you started and founded, co-founded. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, Mills on One Wheels is just this beautiful thing that popped out in, in, since November, right? I'm telling you, 2020 has been a pivotal year of COVID. Um, community building. Um, I, I love riding One Wheels. Shout out One Wheels, right? Um, it's an electric vehicle, literally one wheel, automatic stabilizer, balancer in there. You can go over rocks, dirt. 25 miles an hour, 15 mile range. Something I like to do on my personal time, just schmob around. I got my group, we got our boys with it. We ride around. And um, I went to this mega ride and I saw this flyer that's in San Francisco that says, hey, join us for a mega ride. And I was like, oh shit, there's more people like me. And I was just introduced to this giant community of people that actually loved, I mean, that as well loved riding one wheels. So um, I met somebody there named Ev. She was there at a mega ride. And I was like, hey, you know, this is really dope. And she was shooting videos. She was a videographer. She edits. And I was like, could you come to Oakland to, um, to, to Oakland on one of my outreaches and film it? I don't have any money. I was like, how much? She's like, oh, I'll be like, you know, X amount. I was like, oh, that's a lot of money. We don't even have the budget for that. But I was like, I want you to come and check it out. She came to check it out. She loved it. And she said, you know what? Why don't we deliver these meals that you do on these electric vehicles? So I was like, oh, shit, I get to bring in the social world with the community world, put it together and mesh it. We rocked. We created Meals on One Wheels. What took us four hours took us an hour and a half because we're not in cars. We're not stopping, trying to find people. And we're building partnerships. So what was just Mike trying to do all this stuff haphazardly, right, is now I have a team and we're tapping into local businesses, local riders, and local people already doing stuff. We have donation drop-off spots. We have fundraisers. We have mega rides. So we have an already existing infrastructure with these dope vehicles and these dope people in cities and states across the entire world. And now I took the recipe for Myriad and we intertwined it and created Meals on One Wheels. We fed over a thousand people to date. We've hit five different cities, Oakland, San Francisco, San Jose, Sacramento, and Santa Cruz, right? We're, and it's, we're going to do the same loop. But um, it's just a beautiful thing now that it's just evolving and it's advancing. And now we're having more players and more team members to make more resources in our bags. So the bags are getting better. The volunteers, our last outreach, 
the most volunteers we've ever had. 75 volunteers. The most we've ever had for Mariners, maybe like 15 people show up. So this thing is a full-fledged getting there now. So now it's about, I used to be really worried about quantity. Now it's about quality. Right? We had styrofoam tins before. Now we got sugarcane biodegradable. I used to have lots of sugary things and hard candies. Not good for teeth because people are on-house neighbors. Now we have soft things, right? So it's this ever-evolving thing, and now we have more funding, more notoriety. And shout-out for One Wheel, man, giving us thousands of dollars in donations and sharing their platform. This is a global product, and they've actually backed us. And I just shot a commercial on Sunday for them. So it's just beautiful that... um. I'm able to be a part of this thing, bring in my passion with, with my other passion and create this beautiful thing and there's no stopping it now. Like I said, we just had a talk in Canada, UK. We have Meals on One was just opened up in Nevada. We're going global and it's through love and it's through Stokes and the power of the wheel, the wheel of life. It's all of us, man. I appreciate you, man. It's, it's been fun. Uh... Appreciate it. He's one of my um, person I look up to as far as someone involved in the community, someone I want to learn from, and someone I want to be able to, you know, help uh, motivate myself, but also grow with and, and start something. You know, I, I love doing this. I want to do more of these shows, and I want to be able to um, actually go out there and, and do the work. You know, direct action. That was like that when we did it that day. That just like it made me so. It was like exhilarating. It was like, damn, I can actually do something like this. You know, I, I didn't know I ne- I could ever be put in that situation. So I want to thank you again. Appreciate you coming out. You can find them on Instagram. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, Meals on One Wheels on IG, Myriad Outreach Project on IG, Loud Paper Planes on IG. Check us out, Direct Action for Farm Workers, Free Them All Statewide Action, Mission Motion, Oakland Builders Collective, man, everything. We out here, you're already doing it. And I appreciate you so much. It's an honor to ride this wave with you. This is just the beginning, man. I appreciate you, bro.